0: Loses control of the puck and goes to the far board. Here's Jarrell with a turnaround shot.
1: Deflected to the backboard on the left side. Martin pokes it out in front. O'Shea, a shot and a goal! Welcome to A Shot and a Goal, part of the On The Air Podcast Network. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of A Shot and a Goal, a podcast about hockey broadcasters. My name is Jake Baskin. While I'm still waiting for sports to return, or more accurately, sports that I call to return, who knows when that will happen, I've taken on a new passion project I've been thinking about for over a decade, but I've never actually devoted the time to until this point. That is, of course, filling out my family tree. Now, the purpose of this, in my eyes, isn't to figure out what historical figures I may happen to be related to from the old country, I would doubt that I have those, It's more to fill some holes of who I might be related to a little closer to my age. I haven't got too far into this yet, but I'm having a lot of fun finally putting this together. The National Women's Soccer League came back this past weekend, marking the return of American team sports to our TV airwaves. I didn't watch it on account of I'm not really a soccer fan to begin with, although I do enjoy calling it, but I'm glad to see the soccer fans I am friends with so excited, especially the women's soccer fans. And that, plus the return of various individual sports in North America, hopefully gives an indication the return of the Big Four will go as smoothly as it possibly can. The play-by-play announcers I feel the most sorry for because of this pandemic, outside, of course, of the ones who lost their jobs or had their teams fold, are minor league announcers. Not only do they not get to finish, or in baseball's case, start their seasons, there aren't nearly as many fans clamoring for their return. And when they come back, some teams might be in major financial trouble. And as I'm thinking about all this now, I'm regretting that I didn't ask the AHL announcers I've had on about the uncertain future of the next season. A lot of teams are owned by their NHL affiliate, so I don't think they'll go under, but I worry about the people in the profession I want to enter and what the future holds for especially young people who want to enter this business. On that note, we do have an American Hockey League announcer on today's podcast. Nick Hart has been the voice of the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins, the affiliate of the Pittsburgh Penguins, since 2018. Before that, he spent three years with the team as their color commentator. He's 27 years old, and he never had to change his NHL fandom based on his employment, as he grew up in Pittsburgh as a Penguins fan. We will discuss that. Another interesting thing about Nick is that he has never done play-by-play for another sport. Not a single game, dating back to his time at Ohio University. I found that fascinating, because what a lot of professional announcers will tell you is how useful being versatile is, and it is. But it's a credit to Nick that he's already one level away from the NHL at his age, while only ever calling hockey, and he gets to do it in his favorite team's organization. I love getting stories from veterans in the business, and they are primarily the better storytellers because they've seen a lot more. But I really love hearing from the up-and-comers, the announcers who haven't quite reached the NHL level, but are very hungry to do so. And I feel I can relate to them as a fellow millennial who wants to do hockey play-by-play for a living. And if you're listening to this and want to do the same thing, Nick and people like him are great to take advice from because you're able to see yourselves in them and you're able to follow their careers as they advance. Those are really the types of connections I want to make with this podcast. This is Nick Hart from the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins, on episode 21 of A Shot and a Goal. And it's Adam Johnson with a chance to give the Penguins the victory here in Hartford. All alone, one-on-one against Tuska. Johnson cuts to the left, gives a stick kick, and scores! Steps it five-hole! Adam Johnson scores on the penalty shot in overtime, and the Penguins win! Hi, and welcome to episode 21 of A Shot and a Goal, part of the On The Air Podcast Network. I'm Jake Baskin. Our next guest, our third AHL guest from the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton-Penguins, lover of spoonerisms, Nick Hart. How's it going, Nick?
0: It's going great, Jake. It's a, it's a pleasure to hop on here and talk with you. I'm just, you know, kicking back and trying to enjoy isolation as much as I can right now. Wish I'd be calling some playoff hockey games, but as we all know, it's not in the cards for the American Hockey League right now, so I'm just trying to make the best of the situation.
1: So what are you doing to keep yourself busy?
0: Oh, geez. I mean, obviously, there are the, I guess, uh, obvious answers that people love to give a lot of Netflix, a lot of Amazon Prime video, a lot of Hulu catching up on a bunch of stuff that, uh, you know, had been piling up in the queue for months and months on end. It's it's funny. Before this all started, I was talking with a bunch of people in the office and I was saying, like, man, oh, man, I wish we could somehow convince, you know, Hollywood and the content creators to just cool it for a couple months so that I could catch up on everything without new stuff coming out. And then this happened. This wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but the queue is getting much shorter. Um, but other than that, the, the normal answer that a lot of people get watching a lot of TV, I mean, I'm trying to stay busy uh, with work and things like that. We haven't completely shut down with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, so we're trying to come up with our own content, things like that. I'm preparing for the NHL draft for that matter, too. Whenever that comes around, I always like to know, as much as I can about the potential prospects before they either uh, get drafted by Pittsburgh and we'll be coming into our pipeline or maybe we'll be drafted by Washington or Philadelphia and we'll be seeing lots of them with Hershey and Lehigh Valley a couple of years down the road. So I always like to do my due diligence before that. There's always media guide projects and things like that. I'm trying not to gain upwards of 20 or 30 pounds during this uh, stoppage as well. So enough to certainly keep me busy. I'm not bored, that's for sure.
1: When did you decide you wanted to be a play-by-play guy?
0: Um, It was, uh, I don't know what it would be a lot of uh, the the normal answers that you get whenever you ask people that question. I feel like it happened for me a lot later than a lot of other people. Um, This is sort of the long-winded, or I guess I'll try and keep it brief, uh, origin story, if you will, of of Nick Hart, the broadcaster. Um, I went to Ohio University, uh, the esteemed, uh, Script School of Journalism right there. And what I found, uh, a lot of my colleagues there and fellow students there at school, they were using their four years at school to try and figure out, do I want to do print media or do I want to do broadcast media? For me, I didn't care. I didn't care if I was in print or online. I didn't care if I was on camera. I knew that I had to be in sports, though. I, I'm just not wired to be the guy on the city council beat And following stories like that, I just personally couldn't handle that. But I didn't care if I was writing or if I was on camera. I knew I had to stick with sports. So I was doing stuff with a local sports uh, news station in town in Athens, Ohio, doing write-ups on hockey games, softball games, uh, women's golf, even baseball, too. You know, chipping in here and there. And then by the time my senior year rolled around, I didn't have as much on-camera experience as I would have liked at the time. And guys that were calling games, play-by-play in color for the Ohio University hockey team, they both graduated. So they had an opening in both positions. So I threw my hat in the ring and said, you know what? I think this would be a, a great opportunity for me to get on camera. I'll be your color guy because I've covered the team the past two years. I know all the guys on the team. I have a good rapport with the coach. I think I'd be a really good color guy. So I sort of went through the interview process. We had sort of a, a mock tryout, sort of uh, calling a pre-taped game. And then they offered me the play by play position, not the color position, but I certainly wasn't going to turn it down. And about one period into doing play by play in that sort of setting, I was hooked. And I was like, this would be really, really cool to do um, as a profession.
1: Was hockey always the goal for you?
0: Um, I grew up a huge hockey fan. I've, known the game since before my memory can even go back. Uh, I had a stick in my hand when I was in diapers going to Pittsburgh Penguins games since before I can remember. One of my earliest memories as a kid is the Pittsburgh Penguins tying the Winnipeg Jets and me crying, crying in the stands, my parents trying to usher me out of the building. But I was inconsolable crying because Pittsburgh had – tied they didn't lose they tied the winnipeg jets so hockey has always been my favorite sport um always played it always watched it could never consume enough hockey whether it was watching it on tv not just pittsburgh but any team i could get my eyes on but also going down wikipedia wormholes and things like that um doing as much research as i could but you know when you got to college you were like i said before i knew i wanted to be in sports i didn't want to necessarily uh marry myself to hockey. I didn't want to put myself into that box, even though it was certainly the sport I knew the most about and that I was most passionate about. I didn't want to put myself in that box and sort of limit my opportunities um, after college. So like I said before, I was covering golf and softball and baseball, things, uh, things like that, just to sort of, you know, broaden the resume. It just so happened that I stumbled into that position with the Ohio uh, hockey team and, um, Whenever I was applying for jobs outside of college, I was always trying to keep an eye on hockey markets, not necessarily NHL hockey markets. But I was sending resumes to Anchorage, Alaska because they had an NAHL team there, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, because they have the USHL team there. Somewhere where I'd be able to sink my teeth into hockey if I wasn't necessarily a broadcaster, but on the local news or something like that, being a sports reporter in that capacity or Once again, writing for a newspaper, I was very calculated about where I was sending my resume. I sent it out a ton but trying to keep it in hockey markets because ultimately, as much as I said I wanted to spread my wings and branch out a little bit more, hockey has always been what I've been the most passionate about. And I can't imagine, especially now that I've been involved in the American Hockey League for five years, can't imagine uh, a world where I'm not working in hockey.
1: There are a lot of NHL broadcasters from the various public universities of Ohio. I'm thinking John Walton with Miami, Rick Peckham at Kent State, Steve Mears with Bowling Green, Dan Kelly Jr. went to Dayton. So how did Ohio University help you get prepared for your career?
0: Oof, it, it prepared me a ton. Um, not only was it an absolute blast to, to go to Athens from a, a social standpoint, you're never going to run out of things to do, even though it's a small town. Uh, I met some you know, friends for life, all that stuff you always hear about college. I enjoyed it so greatly. But the people that they have running the Scripps School are um, top-notch. There's a lot of different ways to get involved in journalism, broadcasting, things like that. The, the student-run newspaper, The Post, is, you know, top of the pops when it comes to student newspapers in, in college. Um, I was working, I mentioned this before, that that news station that I was working for it was a WOUB, based out of Athens. And even though I don't think they're technically affiliated with the school, it's mostly student labor and things like that so you can get opportunities there and then the people that were running the hockey games weren't with woub they were with a completely different avw production so they were doing their own thing creating content there were tons of opportunities to get your experience and when you're going into a broadcasting or journalistic field you can go to class as much as you want and that's great you can learn but the best way to do it is in practice actually getting your hands dirty Doing those kind of things, one man banding a a news story or getting yourself in front of a microphone, calling a game, even if it's just for your own tape and not for any listeners. There's so many different ways in Athens for, you know, aspiring journalists or broadcasters to do that. I tried to seize those opportunities the best I could.
1: Who are the biggest influences on your career?
0: Oh boy. Um, well, I guess uh, where I'm where I'm trending now as a, as a broadcaster um, in in the game of hockey. I think um, you know Doc Emmerich is obviously he's as good as it gets. Just the the fluidity with which he he brings the action every single night, but then the the way he's able to diversify his vocabulary and not sound repetitive at all is uh, truly mesmerizing. And you can try and implement that as much as you want. And I have tried to do that, but You're never going to be on the same level as Doc, but he's just a natural influence. And then to that to that same point, um, Mike Lang and Phil Bork, the radio broadcast team for the Pittsburgh Penguins, who I grew up listening to a ton. Uh, Mike Lang, the Hall of Famer, obviously he's, you know, fantastic play by play. But then the way Phil Bork always knows how to chime in with uh, either brilliant hockey analysis as someone who's won multiple Stanley Cups as a professional, but also. Say something witty and charming. Maybe he can alleviate the situation or he, maybe he can amp up the intensity in a great moment, even though he's the color guy and I'm now doing play-by-play uh, in the American Hockey League. I always think uh, back to those three guys as, as huge influences on on what I do. But it's not just them. you know. Anytime I'm uh, listening to or watching an NHL game now at this point, I'm, I sort of have an, an analyst's ear, if you will, and I hear something. I'm like, ooh, that was – I was pretty good, and I'll sort of make a mental note, like, oh, I like how they did that, or, oh, maybe I wasn't so much a fan of that, but I see what they were going for. Maybe if I did it like this, you know, I I don't let it overtake the way I I view the game. I'm still uh, trying to be a little bit of a fan when I'm watching those games, but I can't escape the analytical ear. So those are the top three for me, Doc Emmerich, Mike Lang, and Phil Bork. Um, but you know, there's always your your Brian Burks and guys like that where you're him mean, like, "Oh yeah, that was pretty good," and you try and make a mental note and stash it for yourself for later. Or Brendan Burke. Not yeah, right. yeah, Ooh, yeah, Burke.
1: yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say, big difference between those two. Oh,
0: goodness. Huge difference. Huge difference in uh, tenure and, and haircuts.
1: <laughs> yes, that is true. I'm an Islander fan, so I get to listen to a lot of Brendan oh, Burke. Lucky,
0: lucky you. Yeah, he's he's great. Burke's awesome.
1: How did you land with the baby pens?
0: So um, how this all kind of played out. So once again, back to sort of the, the Nick Hart origin story, I did that my senior year at Ohio university doing the play by play for the Ohio hockey team, put together a reel. But once again, I was just sending my resume everywhere, anywhere I could uh, try to keep it in hockey markets, but you know, newspaper sports reporter in this town or a TV sports reporter in this town or play-by-play broadcaster for this junior hockey team, play-by-play broadcaster for this minor league hockey team. I was just sending that thing anywhere. Um, I had a few nibbles, but no real bites. And it got to the point in the summer after I graduated, it had gone on so long where I'm kind of looking around and the season's about to kick up and I'm like, Oh boy, like, um, I might, uh, I might have to, you know, just get a job at the Verizon kiosk at the mall or something to have some disposable income before I can actually nail down whatever my career job is going to be. And right when I was sort of uh, given those considerations, I I ran into Jason Potterell, who was then the assistant general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You now know him as the uh, general manager of the Buffalo Sabers. ran into him um, downtown Pittsburgh lunch. One day I had known Botsy before from uh, my time as an intern with the Pittsburgh Penguins when I was doing stuff with Penn's radio, 24 seven, um, and, you know, he talked to me and he said, you know, hey, if you ever need anything, just uh, just let me know. You know, just let me know and I'd be happy to help you out. I think he's just being nice. You know, thank you very much, Mr. oh blah, blah, blah. Lo and behold, uh, it was like a week later or something like that, he called me. He said, hey, uh, do you have a job yet? No, no, I don't. Uh, would you be interested in something in wilkes Yeah, yeah, I would be. <laughs> and he basically told me, all right, well, there's a couple of dominoes that would have to fall. Um, for a certain position to open up but he said if the dominoes do fall that way i can get you an interview and, you know, i thanked him and lo and behold all of those dominoes ended up falling this person got hired by that team and that person got replaced by this person but then that person could be replaced by a different person because they had been hired by another team all of the dominoes fell a certain way that there was an opening in media relations i interviewed for the position i ultimately got the position and right out of the gate uh, they sort of uh the management of the team and my bosses and things like that, they sort of told me they tempered my expectations on the opportunities that would have to broadcast. Like, Hey, you're mainly doing the media relations for us. We know you have broadcast experience. We know you have broadcast aspirations, but um, you know, Mike O'Brien, who at the time was the play-by-play guy, he's our broadcaster and we might give you some games here and there um, as a color guy, but we can't promise you anything. And I was like, totally fine. You know, just want to get my foot in the door. That's great. I did a couple of games of color with Mike and then after a month into the season Jeff Barrett, our CEO, came up to me and he said hey, are you uh, comfortable with going on the road and calling games? Once again, I was like yes absolutely I am and then I've called pretty much every game with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins either color commentary or play-by-play ever since the past uh, five years.
1: Did you play as a kid?
0: Oh yeah, I, I played a ton. I, I was playing every single weekend and weeknight. God bless my parents, my mom and dad trying to figure out ways to, to get me to practice while my younger sisters were trying to go to soccer and basketball and things like that too. Um, once again, memories of a young child, there was a, a certain exit in in Pittsburgh because where I played, uh, was out in Washington, PA, which is about a 30 minute drive from where we lived. And, um, my dad would leave downtown Pittsburgh from work. My mom would leave our house and they would have to do a handoff had an exit on the highway, sort of the, the midway point between our house and the rink that we were trying to go to in Washington, PA. Um, and every practice night, my mom would take me out to the exit. We'd wait. We'd pull over to the curb. My dad would get there. I'd hop in his car and then he'd take me to hockey practice. And then as I grew up, I'm playing high school hockey, amateur hockey. I was playing you know, a ton so much. And a uh, part of the reason I went to Ohio University too was uh, not only for the great journalism school, but You know, I knew that they had a very prestigious club hockey team. I knew I wanted to play hockey. I didn't want to stop playing, Um, but I ended up biting off way more than I could chew because I didn't realize how good, good club hockey teams were. I showed up to tryouts and everyone else there was a 21 year old freshman. Everyone had played in the USHL or NAHL and they just opted to play, you know, uh, for a high end club hockey team instead of going NCAA division three. We were going through warm-ups and tryouts, and it was like, oh, boy, I do not belong here. So that was the unceremonious end to my playing career.
1: What was the process behind you getting the play-by-play job with the Baby Pens?
0: Um, so like I said before, Michael O'Brien was the play-by-play broadcaster when I got there um, five years ago. Um, and he ended up being a fantastic not, a mentor and friend. To me, during the the three years that we called games together, him in the play-by-play chair, me in the the color seat, we were one of the the few traveling two-man booths in the American Hockey League who had play-by-play and color at every single game, home and road. Um, but at the end of those three years, Mike um, ended up moving on to to greener pastures up in New England. He ended up getting engaged and now married to his longtime girlfriend. So um, he. Certainly uh, won, the, won that exchange, but whenever he decided that he was departing to you know, embark on that adventure in his life, um, it was going to leave a whole play-by-play, and I got called into my boss's office, and he basically told me, hey, Mike is leaving. Um, we're considering you for the play-by-play position. We're going to give you every opportunity to get it, but we don't want to promise you anything. Uh, once again, sort of tempering my expectations, but sort of letting me know that you know I was going to be considered. I don't know how much of a real... Process there was because as soon as Mike announced that he was leaving, I'm sure that they were inundated with you know resume upon resume upon resume, reel upon reel upon reel. But um, they called me back into the office maybe I don't know a month after that, and they were like, Hey, we'll give you the play by play job if you want it. And it was um, an emphatic yes from me.
1: Recently, I interviewed a fellow Pittsburger, Bob McElligott, who mm-hmm. moved over in Columbus from color to play by play you did that do you think being a color analyst helped you in regards to how you did play-by-play in the future
0: um maybe and i mentioned before how i really like uh, listening to phil bork who's the color guy for pittsburgh penguins radio and i try and uh take those insights and try and apply them in a certain way um now that i'm the the play-by-play guy uh, certainly in a, in a solo booth where you really don't have a you have to fill a bunch of time and you don't really have that color guy to lean on so much solo booths are really the norm in the american hockey league but um i believe in a separation of church and state if you will um that the color guy serves a specific purpose and the play-by-play guy serves a specific purpose and i really don't want to trend too far in the direction of giving opinions and editorializing and things like that whenever i'm um doing the the play-by-play position i'll fairly give analysis and things like that especially once again when i'm in the booth by myself but i believe in sort of they're two different roles they're not exactly the same what i took away from my experience as a color commentator and then transitioning over to play-by-play is once again um the opportunity that i had to really observe uh mike o'brien and him being a mentor to me seeing how he handled himself on game day seeing his process and you know how his mind would work over the course of a game because even though I had that experience of play-by-play calling club hockey games at Ohio University, um, I, if you gave me a play-by-play job right out of the gate in the American Hockey League, I would have ended up being woefully underprepared. Woefully underprepared. Even though I had a head for the game and I knew how to follow the game, you know, losing track of the puck terminology would have never been a problem for me. I would have been simply underprepared. So being able to see how Mike worked as the play-by-play guy when I was sitting next to him in the color commentator's chair, I think that proved to be ultimately uh, more valuable for my transition from color to play-by-play when that ultimately came to fruition.
1: You're one of the youngest announcers in the AHL. You're what, 27?
0: That is correct, yes. I had to double-check. I had to think about it for a second. I'm losing track.
1: (laughs) So is there some sort of bond between you and the other young announcers in the league?
0: Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a bond between myself and the the younger announcers. I think it's more of an an overall um, fraternity amongst the broadcasters. You know, even the old guard, if you will, there's you know sort of an understanding of what everyone's going through on a game day and what you're trying to accomplish on a game night. You know, you just want each other to have the the best call possible. There, there is that fraternity amongst all age groups in the AHL. Um, now that being said, you'll eventually just kind of uh, gravitate towards uh, different people, and you know I've I've ended up becoming, or at least I'd like to think, pretty good uh, friends with some of the the younger guys in the American Hockey League. Um, I had the great pleasure of meeting Brian Tosky for the first time this year, a young gun out in Austin, Texas. He's you know a stud on the mic, and then a great guy to talk to as well. I'm glad he's in my Rolodex now because he's probably going places, and he's a pleasure to talk to as well. Rob LaPolos is a good friend of mine just up the road in Binghamton. And then the, the crew that we have in the, in Pennsylvania, the Keystone state rivalry, Zach fish, uh, love talking to Zach fish. And then uh, Bob road truck. We're always exchanging notes and things like that before the game. And Bob is one of those guys who's been around and seen a ton. He has a ton of stories and things like that. You sometimes get good tidbits from him, hearing him talk about things like that. So I don't think it's necessarily um, a bond between myself and the uh, younger broadcasters in the league, but I think there's just an overall fraternity amongst um, the broadcasters overall.
1: Another age question. You're closer in age now to most of the players on the team. Do you think (laughs) that makes your interactions with them easier?
0: Um, I don't know. Um, It has surprised me in the past that how some of the players don't know how young I am. And then there are also players that think that I'm even younger than I also am. Very few actually uh, you know, figured out, or at least for a while, actually figured out how old I was. When I first came to Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, um, a lot of the guys assumed that I was in my late 20s, early 30s. It was my first job out of college. Um, and now there, there are guys who, once again, there are some guys that think I am in my mid-30s, even though I'm 27. And then there are other guys that... You know, they think I'm, you know, 22, 23, because if I'm clean shaven, I'm a, you know, baby faced uh, kid. I, you know, uh, the gift and the curse, if you will, of, of being a, that, that kind of a baby faced individual. Um, but I, I don't know if it makes it better or worse. I think it just kind of depends on the guy. Um, there are some guys who you just hit it off with automatically, you have similar interests away from the rank. And some of those guys are also young like me. And then some of those other guys are, you know, five years older than me, six years older than me. They've played the game a lot longer. I think it, you know, like anyone finding friendships anywhere in the world, whether it's, you know, meeting people at the office where you work or running into people at a bar or something like that. Sometimes you just hit it off with certain people. I don't know if there's a, you know, an added benefit to me being a a younger broadcaster that could relate to the younger players, or maybe a player would prefer to talk to an older guy that's been around and seen more and has you know, more polished in his interviews and things like that, or maybe they don't really care either way. I I really don't know. I think it just depends on a player-by-player player basis, if you will.
1: I'm twenty-three. I just finished my first year with the Northeast Sports Network, which covers D3 athletics up in New England. Now a lot of people look at me. I'm five foot six and could probably pass for a high schooler if I had to.
0: Yeah, you're probably in the same boat as me when I was 23, so it's okay. A
1: lot of people think, you know, when I'm calling games at Amherst College or Williams College, that I'm a student there, not knowing that I couldn't get into either place if my life depended on it. (laughs) Very few announcers get to call games for the team they grew up rooting for. I can no longer aspire to do this because the Thrashers don't exist. Do you still get chills thinking about how you're part of the Penguins organization? It's a
0: huge blessing. Uh, not a day goes by where I don't, you know, take a deep breath and go like, are you kidding me? Are you serious right now? I didn't grow up a wilkes Scranton Penguins fan. I obviously knew a lot about wilkes Scranton as, you know, being our farm team, our pipeline. A lot of great Pittsburgh Penguins came through Wilkesbury Scranton before they ended up in the Steel City. But, you know, to be coming to a place where people are putting on the black and gold every day, wearing that Penguins brand and knowing that Pittsburgh is just a, a step away. You know, being able to be around the development camps, um, training camp, these long playoff runs that the Pittsburgh Penguins have been on the past few years—it is a true blue blessing that I do not take for granted. It is truly awesome, and, and I feel extremely fortunate to, to be in this situation. That being said, you know, if the promotion to the NHL ever comes for me, I'm not holding. I'm not, you know limiting myself to pittsburgh i will happily grinning ear to ear take a job in dallas or calgary or colorado etc cetera, etc cetera. There are 31 about to be 32 nhl teams and i'm not about to pass up on any of them just because they're not the pittsburgh penguins but i am extremely fortunate and very happy to be in this organization right now
1: what are the similarities and differences between living in western pennsylvania and living now in northeast pennsylvania
0: Oh, that's a that's a good question. Um, we're in a unique area here in in northeastern Pennsylvania, where you're certainly removed from from Pittsburgh, and you're you know short drive, but far enough away from Philadelphia that you don't really have like Philadelphia vibes. You're geographically closest to New York City if there was no traffic at all, which there never is. But if there was no traffic at all, you get to New York City faster than you get to Philadelphia here. So you're sort of trapped between these three much bigger cities with very defined cultures and it sort of bleeds into all of them but northeastern pennsylvania for the most part is very proud of being northeastern pennsylvania so in a certain sense i feel a similarity to pittsburgh not necessarily in what's around or how people carry themselves or how people talk but it's very provincial people from pittsburgh love the fact that they're from pittsburgh it's the you know paris of the appalachia we're not midwestern and we're not east coast we're pittsburgh here in northeastern pennsylvania you get sort of the same thing where you're close enough to pittsburgh philadelphia and new york that uh not one of those specific cultures is necessarily taken over it sort of bled through and everyone kind of feels like hey we're our own thing here they're you know proud of the the coal mining past that that comes through this area Everyone sort of uh, banding together around their local sports teams, the the Penguins or the the Rail Riders, when it comes to minor league baseball, you know, there's a uniqueness to the area which is sometimes very different than what I grew up with. But then at the same time, it's the same. the The way people carry themselves and how they feel about their area is very similar, and I can relate to that. Even if my provincialness doesn't necessarily uh, draw me towards northeastern Pennsylvania, brings me back to southwestern PA, but I understand where they're coming from, if that makes sense.
1: So you're saying no one in Wilkes-Barre is going to boo Santa Claus?
0: I feel very strongly that no one in Wilkes-Barre is granted would boo Santa Claus. We have had Old St. Nick at several uh, Penguins games, and I don't think the Boo Birds have come out yet. So that part of Philadelphia hasn't bled up here to this part. But there is a good amount of like Philadelphia Eagles fans and things like that 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 are up in this area that love to go to – their, their bar watering hole on a Sunday and, you know, fly, Eagles fly, go birds go and have to contend with Steelers fans for TVs and have to contend with giant fans for TVs. So it makes football Sunday certainly very, very entertaining. That's for sure.
1: How much contact do you have with Steve Mears, Mike Lang, Josh Getzoff, the guys from the big club?
0: Uh, during the course of the season, not much. Um, and that's just because all of us are, you know, we're focused on doing our own thing right now. We all have a million different chores and things to get through just to allow us to, to call the game in the first place. You know, there's a lot more that goes into it, you know, more than anyone that, you know, you don't just show up, call the game and then leave and then call it a day. There's a lot more that goes into it. Um, but where you really get to get to talk to those guys or those events, like, um, you know, the playoffs, if we're eliminated and Pittsburgh still going or training camp, development camp you get a lot of you know time to talk to those guys and pick their brain about different things of course they want to ask me how you know certain prospects were doing because they couldn't get the chance to watch a lot of american hockey league games when they're calling 82 nhl games over the course of the year you know i want to you know be in their shoes with either the penguins or a different nhl team someday so you're picking their brain on things like that sort of observing you know how they're carrying themselves what they're doing what, what works for them um in the in the off seasons where you get a lot more face time with them and then every now and then here and there during the season you know Josh gets off will give me a call and we'll talk about prospects so he can get kind of a an update on what's going on down here same thing with Phil Bork occasionally it's like hey you know I heard uh, Casey DeSmith has some distant relation to the Montreal Canadiens what's that all about and he'll text me and I'll be like oh well actually it was his uh, uh grandfather on his dad's side, you know, played forward for the Montreal Canadiens in the you know 40s or something like that. You know, so there's occasionally we'll pop in and check in on each other during the season, but we're really more go, go, go worried about our own stuff. But it's in the summer. Once again, those events, uh, training camp, development camp, the, the rookie showcase that we have in Buffalo usually every year where you really get to talk to those guys and, you know, talk to them personally, too, not just about hockey stuff and things like that.
1: Besides broadcasting, what do you do with the team?
0: So my role with the team is not only play-by-play broadcaster, but media relations director. I still maintain that role, the role that they initially brought me in for uh, back when I was coming out of college and hired me all those years ago when those dominoes fell to open up the the door for me to kick my way in, um, which is basically PR. Um, I'm, I'm responsible for the maintaining and upkeep of all of our statistics, our team Bios and stats are media guide, which you know is updated feverishly and added to during the off season, which I guess we're in now at this point. I got to start putting together a bunch of new uh, updates for the media guide for next season. Thanks for the reminder, Jake. Um, but you're know, putting together game notes for game nights, things like that. That all comes from me in my department i get a little bit of help from interns but we're churning out game notes for every single one of our home games rosters stats you know who's hot who's not storylines coming into the game different things like that um i'm responsible for getting the the media all of the interviews that they need we're in a position um in wilkes-barre-scranton where we're pretty well covered by two different print media outlets in the area the times leader and the citizen's voice making sure those beat reporters get their interviews after practice and after games. Same thing with uh, TV reporters that stop by usually once a week to talk to the players and the coaches. I'm in an extremely fortunate position that the whole time I've been here, Mike Sullivan, Clark Donatelli, and now Mike Bellucci have all been very agreeable to to media duties. I haven't had to, you know, drag anyone out to get in front of cameras or things like that. They've all been very agreeable and made my life very easy in that regard. And, you know, that, that's just sort of a peek into it. I uh, create a lot of content for our website, our game program that gets handed out for free at every single one of our home games. I'm writing all the stories and creating the content for that, once again, with a, a little assist to my interns that come, uh, come through throughout the course of a season. And, yeah, that is the long and short of the, the media relations side of things that, you know, I got to take care of before I actually go on air for a given game night. So there's certainly plenty to keep me busy. Uh, once again, to all those listening out there, it's way more than just showing up, calling a game, and then going home and calling it at night. There's a lot that happens before and even after games that you know keep the that keep the hamster on the wheel
1: besides hockey, what other sports have you called?
0: I have never called in a formal capacity any other sport wow. other than hockey, uh, which you know as a kid where I was Hockey has been my favorite sport, the sport I'm most passionate about. I've been very fortunate. Um, My interactions with other sports have largely been um, from a pundit standpoint. Once again, covering the Ohio softball team, women's golf, men's golf, baseball, things like that, interviewing those people, talking to those people, making articles in that regard, occasionally you know, doing quick video hits where I give a little update on the team, what's going on, who they're playing this weekend, oh, this – a uh, particular individual is having a really good time, and this particular individual has a cool story. Here's the tease for the article that's coming out, things like that. But in terms of actually calling a game that can be broadcast out to the world for whoever wants to consume it, only hockey for me at this point.
1: I'm not 100% sure on this, but of the 21 guests thus far, I think you're the only one that applies to. And,
0: and you know what? I totally believe that because, once again, it was such a – um it happened so fast for me because once again i didn't know i wanted to be a play-by-play broadcaster i had no real aspirations to be a play-by-play broadcaster or color commentator until it was my senior year of college and i just sort of ended up in that seat up in the the bird's nest at bird arena um in athens ohio calling games for the ohio hockey team and i said yeah this could be pretty cool i sent out my resume to all those places uh once again Sports reporter for newspapers, sports reporters for TV, and then maybe I get lucky and get a broadcaster's job, and then that's exactly what happened with a hockey team that is with the organization that I grew up loving. So it happened so fast, so quick, and there wasn't really much of a chance for me to call many other sports.
1: Last question. Not that
0: I would be opposed to it, though. Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) Not that I would be opposed to calling different sports and other games. I occasionally think about, you know, what would I be like calling a football game, basketball game, baseball game? Baseball would be the most difficult. That would be a grind. Yeah, I, I have nothing but the most respect for the guys that can call a baseball game so eloquently as the best of the biz do.
1: I think I called 10 different sports this year, so uh, that Look at you. Well, I'd love to just do hockey. I only did 4 hockey games <laughs> this year. But I'll take what they give me.
0: Absolutely. And it's one of those things like, hey, if you know, if my schedule somehow opened up, I mean, Now would be the perfect time for me to try and call some different games, but there's no sports actually going on right now. Um, I would take the invitation. It would certainly be a, a fun experience for me. And once again, build that resume, get different experience. But so far for me, from senior year of college to current, it's been nothing but sticks and pucks.
1: Last question, and this is pretty open ended, but the AHL is a development league, and that goes for broadcasters too. So, how much do you allow yourself to? think about calling NHL games and what do you think that would be like?
0: Um, I allow myself to think about it a whole heck of a lot um, because it's where I want to be. Now that I've gotten to this point where I said before it has happened fast, I've been sort of fast tracked from that last year at OU to where I am now. But, you know, I want to be calling games in the National Hockey League. You know, I've been fortunate enough uh, to this point to be sticking with the game that I grew up loving, grew up playing, growing up, growing up being so, so passionate about that I see no point now in stopping. I want to get to the National Hockey League. I let myself think about it a lot, but it doesn't necessarily pervade into my day-to-day thinking, especially during the course of the season uh, when I'm worried about, once again, getting those game notes out, making sure everything's set up for our game program, uh, you know, the online content, and then, of course, preparing for an actual broadcast. When I'm preparing for a game, I'm not thinking about, ooh, how great would this be if I was the broadcaster for the anaheim ducks no i'm thinking about you know how many you know power play goals this guy has for the lehigh valley phantoms you know you're trying to stay in the right mindset making sure you put yourself in the best position to have the best possible broadcast you can tonight or for whatever game is is next if it's a wednesday and your next game is on friday or something like that you can't let yourself think too far into the future and you know neglect your your current duties and things like that let your current broadcast suffer but you know my mentality has always been I want to make every single broadcast the best broadcast that I've had yet. For myself and for the audience, I want to make every single broadcast the best one that it's been yet, and if I keep doing that, then the NHL would be a uh, natural step. It would be the next best place to go, or it is the next best place to go. It would just be uh, that much easier to get there, because it's going to be a competitive field, and I know a lot of these other broadcasters, those are the old guard, and those young guns too. As soon as an opportunity opens up, I'm going to be fighting with them to try and get it. So I keep my goals in mind, but I always got to stay focused on the task at hand.
1: All right, Nick, I've taken up forty minutes of your time. Thank you for coming on.
0: Really forty minutes. Wow. It, well, that,
1: according to my phone, it's forty minutes.
0: Wow, well, that flew by.
1: Yeah, it really did. I can't promise I will have this out soon. As today, I am releasing episode fifteen, and you're twenty-one. So I will, hey, I will keep you posted. never bad to
0: have things in the bank. I know all about that.
1: Thank you for coming on once again.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure, Jake. Thanks for talking to me.
1: That was Nick Hart, broadcaster and manager of media relations for the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Thanks to him for coming on, and apologies to Nick for the long delay in releasing the episode, which was recorded on May 21st. If there's one thing besides what I mentioned in the intro that's going to stick with me, it's this. I read an article in the Wilkes-Barre newspaper, The Citizen's Voice, that featured Nick and centered on all the play-by-play announcers in the AHL who graduated college in 2013 or later. So I was under the impression that the young broadcasters in the league had that kind of natural bond with each other because they all have the same goal and are trying to figure out their way in the AHL just like the players are. But what Nick said is that age doesn't matter. There's a fraternity among all AHL announcers just by being at that level. After the interview was over... I brought up the name Bob Kayser, episode 19's guest, who is one of the older voices in the league. And Nick couldn't have been more complimentary of him, which, after I interviewed him, I'm not at all surprised. Broadcasters, no matter where they call games, no matter what sports they call, no matter how long they've been at their jobs, they love each other, and I really appreciate that. That'll do it for episode 21 of A Shot and a Goal. You can follow me on Twitter at jakebaskinpxp. J-A-K-E-B-A-S-K-I-N-P-X-P. Or you can access the backlog of episodes at A Shot and a Goal. We're doing something a little different with episode 22, which comes out on Friday. I am interviewing Sebastian Goulet, who calls NHL and QMJHL games in French for TVA Sports. I always wanted a French or other foreign language announcer on the podcast, and Sebastian was quick to respond and gave me a really fun and informative interview. Now the kicker here. Sebastian has never done play-by-play of an NHL game on-site. That might make him a little more used to what's going to happen after the league starts back up in a month. After that, we have Ryan Holt and Chuck Caton, plus many more to come after that. See you Friday.